What up, guys? This is The Chase Down. I'm JP Carey, here with my co-host, Ben. Welcome back, everybody. And today, we're going to do a little recap. We haven't been with you guys for about seven or eight days. I've had quite a busy week, so sorry about that, but now we're back. Um, and the first thing we're going to jump into really, really quickly, because it happened kind of a while ago now, is the Hawks-Bucks series. So the last time we were with you guys, it was a tied series. It was 2-2 Bucks-Hawks. And me and Ben on the last podcast, we were very confident that the Hawks would be in the NBA Finals. That is not what happened. So, Ben, what do you think <clears throat> of the results of that series, and are you happy with the results? Um, I mean, I am happy for the Bucks. I didn't think it was possible for them to really win those last two of those last games. Um, I certainly did not expect 33 points from Brooke Lopez in Game 5. Yeah. That was pretty incredible. That was pretty good for him. Bobby Portis had a hell of a game as well. Um, I, I mean, I, I was kind of shocked that they won both games. I didn't watch all of game five. I just tuned in once I, start, once I saw that Brooke Lopez was going crazy. Um, but it's just like the, the crew surrounding Trey Young couldn't get it done. And that's not that surprising when you take out like your best offensive player that your offense does a little worse. Yeah. Um, but I am happy for the Bucks. Yeah, I am too. I mean, that franchise hasn't done anything since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and that was a long, long time ago. So, like, in retrospect, I, I am happy for them. That fan base needs some excitement. But I, I liked the Hawks better. Like, I just don't – we've talked about this so many times on this podcast, but me and you, our opinions on Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday align. Like, they're just, like, <laughs> meh players to watch and, like, just meh overall. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that Hawks team had some spark and some attitude to it that maybe the Bucks just don't have. So I wanted to see the Hawks in the finals. Um, but yeah, you spoke about Brooke Lopez. Like I watched that game start to finish and I, I was shocked because I think that was a Mike Budenholzer change. Actually, I actually gave Mike Budenholzer some credit for that because everyone, including Shaq and Charles Barkley, make fun of Brooke Lopez for just standing at the three point line the entire game. He was in the paint every single possession that game, and he was just roasting down low. So that was a nice little adjustment from Budenholzer. Um, but overall, like, the series was fine. It kind of got squandered when Giannis and Trey Young got hurt. Like, the excitement just dissipated, in, like, right away. So, um, yeah, I wasn't thrilled to watch those last two games, but it is what it is. Yeah, they weren't incredible. I mean – People forget Brooke Lopez used to do this on a semi-regular basis. Not 33 points a game, but, like, when he was on the Nets, he was a great low-post scorer. There's a reason that he's number one in Nets franchise history for scoring. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right, bud. Budenholzer actually made some changes there and got other people involved, and that was awesome. Um, Bobby Portis took 20 shots. I can't even imagine that happening with Giannis on the floor. He wouldn't come close. Yeah. Um, it was cool to see him make adjustments, um, but it seems like it always happens too late. I mean, we could just get into the finals now. Yeah. Um, it's 2-0. Phoenix is up. Uh, Mike Budenholzer is as unmotivational a coach as has ever existed. Yeah. Um, I, I plead with you guys to go listen to some of, like, little clips of him giving the speeches – are out on YouTube and like on Twitter and just available on the internet. Listen to them. He is so unmotivating He's talking about like, Oh, we just play random. Uh, we just you do what you guys are supposed to do and we'll win the game, score more points than the other team. That's like the gist of his coaching. Yeah. Um, it's, it's 
miserable listening to Monty Williams hype up his guys and then listening to Budenholzer. I have no idea how the Bucks are supposed to win this series. Yeah, and Giannis is kind of the same. I think Giannis has a lot of Dwight Howard in him, where he's kind of just like a big goofball who like people know is he's kind of weird, but they think he's funny type of personality. Like mm-hmm. as a guy who on like when I back, played football in high school, like I was kind of just a goober. So whenever I actually tried to inspire people, they just laughed it off and it didn't mean anything. <laughs> like that's exactly what Giannis is to that Bucks team. Like there was a clip flying around a game too of him like punching a chair and like screaming in people's faces and literally PJ Tucker wasn't even looking at him was completely ignoring him it it just felt like no one cared what he had to say and despite how talented Giannis is like him and Budenholzer aren't those fiery types of guys to just get people out of their seats and hit the game with a new intensity that's just not the way they operate no we have called Giannis like the modern day Shaq yeah, a bunch yeah. on this podcast and Shaq had Kobe and Kobe was the one who was lighting fires under everybody's ass Shaq yeah. or Giannis doesn't have a co-star who's really motivational and inspiring like that um so he's got to try to do it himself but I mean the the 42 points in game two it was just really really sad watching that happen and watching Chris Middleton have his classic uh two out of three games where he shits the bed and then yeah. Drew Holiday I, I sent you that stat. I texted you that stat. Drew Holiday's stats in the playoffs are almost identical to Eric Bledsoe. Crazy. That's awful. The amount of money you're paying Drew Holiday, hundred, what is it, 140-something million? 160 over four. Yeah. And he's playing like Drew Bledsoe with some de- – Eric Bledsoe with some defense. Um, it's, it's inexcusable. He can't hit a layup. It's not like the threes aren't falling. He, he doesn't take a whole lot. He's missing layups. He's missing, like, shots he always hits. Um, and we were talking back and forth over text about why this is. Because he used to be – he's been a dominant player in the playoffs before. Um, and I think it's just the pressure. I think it's the fact that he actually has a realistic chance to win it this year, and it's getting to him. And you you explained that to me perfectly through text. We Like you said, me and you were going back and forth, and – Drew Holiday went into that postseason kind of understanding we have no shot to win. Golden State with KD was still in the league, and LeBron in Cleveland was still in the league. That Pelicans team had no shot at winning anything, so they just played with house money, right? Like, whatever they achieved, they were going to be happy that they achieved it. Mm -hmm. With this Bucs team, with all the injuries and the path being so open to an NBA championship, the pressure's just tearing him down. And when you sent me that Reddit post of his stats being compared to Eric Bledsoe, I just, I could not feel worse for Bucks fans because this is their year. Like, let's be honest. Like, I know it's, I said at the beginning of the season, like, the Celtics window is getting smaller. Like, last year was probably our best year for a chance at a championship. The Bucks is just as bad. Like, if they have these contracts for the next couple of years and the Nets restock and Denver becomes a dynasty out in the West and like LeBron's still good and stuff like, like it's only getting smaller. So I don't know, just the way Drew Holiday has been playing. is just like so disappointing. Absolutely. I actually, <clears throat> I disagree a little bit because I think the fact that the Bucks have made it to the finals this year means that they can make it again and it might be easier for them to make it again. Um, because the thing that's holding them back is not talent. The thing that's holding them back is mental. Yes. Um, 
And if they've already made it this far once, I think it's easier for them to, to lock in and come back because they're certainly talented enough to do it. Um, my, my concern is the fact that they've made it to the finals means that Mike Budenholzer is not going anywhere. Um, I can't see Giannis to be the type of dude just like go to his front office and say like, this guy's not doing it for me. You've got to get him out of here. Yeah. Um, so it seems like we're stuck with Budenholzer on this Bucks team for a couple more years. Yep, we definitely are. He's not going anywhere. And the one retort I would have to your point of like, they, they basically they're getting their run in, right? Like you make the finals, you lose, and then you get back and you win it. Like that's kind of, that's the motto of the NBA kind of, you got to take your bruises before you win. Mm -hmm. So I get that argument, but I would counteract that with Oklahoma city thunder. They had plenty of talent and Russell Westbrook made the finals and he never made it back again. And KD had to join a 73 win team. And now he made his new dynasty in Brooklyn and James Harden never did it either. So it's just like, sometimes it doesn't work out like that. And it's just, I, I'm nervous for this team. I like Giannis. I, I know in the Brooklyn series, I was freaking out a little bit, like almost wanting to take him off my top 10 players list. I think that might've been an over exaggeration, but I, I struggle to find a avenue where this gets easier than this year. Like this is by far the easiest path they'll ever get. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. The thing that I guess I'm hoping for is that next playoffs, um, Giannis's supporting cast of Middleton and Holiday start to figure it out a little more. Yeah. I don't know if I have any real right to believe that. I don't know if they've really shown me anything that would make me actually believe that. Um, because Giannis is doing as much as he can do. Um, you're right. This path has been very easy for Milwaukee. And despite that, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have had pretty pedestrian playoff stats. Oh, yeah. Um, so if it gets harder, I mean, with the, with the stats they've been putting up, the Bucs can't go anywhere. Um, but if they play like they play in the regular season, this team should be uh, should have a chance to make the finals every year. Um, but it's just like we don't see that very often. But let's talk about Phoenix because I think they're a yeah. little bit more interesting. Oh, for sure. Um, game one, Chris Paul had an excellent game. Uh, put up, what was it, 32 points, nine assists, two turnovers. He yep. had an excellent game. DeAndre Ayton almost had 20 and 20. Uh, Devin Booker had 27. Who do you think, in, after the first two games, who's your leader for finals MVP if the Suns won it? It's Chris Paul still. Um, his impact just cannot be understated. I think he only had 20 points in game two, which doesn't scream like MVP of the finals to you, but that first game was just textbook Chris Paul, like just dominating every single matchup they gave him. Whether it was Pat Connaughton out on the perimeter or Brooke Lopez, he was able to just take advantage of every single different thing they threw at him. And I think that's what makes this Phoenix team go. And I think it's what makes DeAndre Ayton go to. I think Chris Paul deserves a lot of credit for the way he's blossomed throughout the playoffs. So I am having trouble giving it to anyone else other than Chris Paul so far. I mean, the only other name is Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, Devin Booker put up seven for 12 from the three-point line, scored 31 points in game two. Yeah. Um, that was pretty incredible. I mean, game two, Phoenix just shot the hell out of the ball from the three-point range. They were yeah. missing a lot of twos, and it was pretty ugly. But that first half, they hit practically every three-pointer that they took. Um, I, After that game one, I really thought DeAndre Ayton could put his name in there. Yeah. Um, but game two, he put up 11 and 10, 
or 10 and 11. Um, not very impressive, but I still think he has a chance if Chris Paul has an off night and he has another 20 and 20 kind of game to put his name into that conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. I think DeAndre Ayton's averages for the rest of the series is probably going to be around 15 and 15. He's just going to stay at that type of level throughout the series, just kill the boards and get easy buckets to and put people in foul trouble too. I think that's kind of just his role on this team. So I think you're right. He still has a chance at it, but the way Devin Booker and Chris Paul are scoring the ball, they're definitely the top two candidates for the award. Yeah, and with DeAndre Ayton's mentality, he is not a, this is my game and I will take it over. He is yeah. a, I'm going to do everything in my power to help us win. And a lot of times that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. I mean, his 10 points, 11 rebounds doesn't sound great. He had a great night game too. Yeah. Um, he had, he was all over the place, four assists, three steals, two blocks. He was very, very impactful. Um what do you see any chance for the Bucks to come back in the series? The only person on Milwaukee right now with a positive plus minus through two games is Giannis. Yeah. Everybody else is in the negative. Yeah. So the only avenue I see is Chris Middleton somewhat getting his head out of his ass. Um, we, I feel like we've said this phrase at least a million times on his podcast. Like he's going to have two shit games and then he's going to win the game for you on that third night. And if he just maybe has two good games in a row, I think they win both games. Because Giannis, we know what we're going to get from him. We're going to get 20, 20 and change with 13 rebounds and defensive impact. That's what we're going to get from Giannis every single night of the week. And it all comes down to really what Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday feel like giving the team. If Chris Middleton can do anything uh, above what he's done so far, I mean, he had a decent game one, but then game two, he turns around and goes five for 16 from the field. So if he just has some level of consistency, I think they can scratch their way back into the series. But honestly, like, even if they do win the next two games, no doubt in my mind, I think the Suns are winning this series. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think the thing is, we hope, we've said, we've said this so many times, but we expect Drew Holiday to produce offensively. Yeah. He took 21 shots in game two. And you would think that if he's so bad, if he's missing so many shots, he should start deferring to other people. Yeah. Um, but the problem with this Bucks team is they are so top-heavy. Um, he can't kick it out to a, a solid bench guy who's going to hit three-pointers. They don't have that. Yeah. Uh, DiVincenzo's out. Um, I mean, I think that's killer, but this is – Drew Holiday needs to hit shots. He can't defer. He's got to keep taking them. Yeah. Um, and the thing with Phoenix that I love so much is just how deep this team is. Uh, Cam Johnson has had an excellent playoffs. Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, um, Campaign, Torrey Craig has been impactful. They're such a deep team. Everybody on their team uh, steps up when it's time to. And there's just not enough talent on the Bucks outside of the top three to hope for any of that. Yeah, and when you – you're bringing up a great point because in the Miami series, the top three didn't shoot – well from the floor at all and I thought that was actually a good sign because they swept Miami and they all sucked like their shooting percentages were horrible so I thought that was an encouraging sign moving forward because you can only go up but Brent Forbes or what right Brent Forbes Brent or Brent Forbes, Ford, yeah. yeah he shot the freaking lights out in that Miami Heat series I haven't noticed him on the court since no so that role 
like that role player injection in the Miami series has disappeared throughout the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. There hasn't been a Brent Forbes night, right? Where he just goes 20 points, whatever from three, right? Bobby Portis had a good game against Atlanta to close it out, but like they were already hobbled, right? They were going to lose that series probably no matter what me and you were just hopeful that they were going to win it. It feels like now at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that your point is, definitely on point where it's just the Bucks are so so top heavy that a team like Phoenix just matches up against them better because they can put 10 players out there who actually make a positive impact right they had to play Jeff Teague nine minutes and 33 seconds um, in their last game you know if you have to give Jeff Teague 10 minutes in a game that you are struggling for help yes um Bryn Forbes he outscored Jimmy Butler in that Miami series uh, and he played 11 minutes yesterday, or the other day. Yeah. Um, they don't have anybody consistent. The lights are too bright. And the bench uh, in Milwaukee is just not able to step up. Bobby Portis, you cannot expect 20 points from him. No. Um, that was a godsend, the fact that he actually brought that. You, you take those when he can bring it. But you can expect 20 points from a bench player on Phoenix. Yes. Mikhail Bridges can do it. He's done it. He did it. He put up 27 in the last game. Yep. Cam Johnson can do it. Jay Crowder's done it in the playoffs. Um, they're just such a deeper team. I, it feels like Phoenix ha- would have to throw this to lose. Like, I don't see a path that Phoenix loses this finals. I'm with you. And going back to your point, it feels like they're doing it death by a thousand cuts to the Bucks. Like game one, Jay Crowder played really, really well, went five for nine from three. And then Game two, Mikhail Bridges has 27 points. I love Mikhail Bridges. You don't see scoring outputs like that from him very often. So it just feels like every night they're going to have one guy who surprises you and kicks your ass. And you know DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker are going to be at least good. So then that one role player that stands out that night is really going to swing the turn tides of the game. And I just feel like the Bucks don't have that type of guy and it, it, that's why I think me and you are both in alignment here when we're saying I don't even think the Bucs have a shot to win list. That, like, I'd be shocked if it goes farther than four, honestly. I think, I think Bucks take game three. Chris Middleton's going to have a hell of a game. And then the Suns win in five. Chris Middleton's um, home versus away playoff stats have been unreal this postseason. He it's shoots, because he has those two bad games. If yeah. they're away, he just sucks in the beginning. Yep, and he's shooting 48% from the floor at home, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. On the road, he's shooting 40% from the floor, which is right. dog shit. Yeah. So it's just you're absolutely right. When the brights are lightest or when the lights <laughs> are brightest, sorry about that. Chris Middleton, he kind of just shrinks. And, I mean, it, you can't have that on championship team. Um, and I think I think we can do a little bit of looking forwards, just questioning what this roster looks like in the next couple of years. I know we did that a little bit last podcast, but, I mean, if this team keeps failing in the playoffs, how do you bring Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday back? Or, like, does Giannis demand a trade? Or, like, does something really drastic happen in the next couple of years where it's like, hey, we just can't win with the roster we have. My hot take is that absolutely no change will be made. They and made it to many... the finals. People are going to, going to ignore the fact that they had an easy path and that the star players they played against were injured. And then they're yeah. going to say, hey, they made it to the finals. They could do it again. Um, and I think the coach is staying. Budenholzer is staying. I think the big three is going to stay. Um, they're going to bring back P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis. 
and then hope that just DiVincenzo stays healthy and they can run it back. I see absolutely zero change coming from Milwaukee's future. I think in the next year, I think you're spot on. I don't, yeah. I don't see how they can change it. I'm talking like two or three years down the line. And I know that's a little far to project and make predictions and stuff like that. But I've just seen this from too many teams where it's like either the star gets upset that they can't get over the hump or like he understands that there's not enough talent. So he leaves. There, there's always like brewing stuff happening in these types of organizations. And another thing I want to bring up, quickly is like I saw this argument on Twitter and I, I wanted to bring it to you on the podcast is the Bucks never faced a team this postseason that was the caliber of the Phoenix Suns right so you had the first round Miami pretty I mean they got swept by a team that doesn't really show too much promise in the Bucks um, then they go on to face the Nets who were hobbled uh, everyone was injured didn't really have a shot to win and it went to seven and an overtime um, and then they faced the Atlanta Hawks, where I had Atlanta winning in seven. And I believe that would have happened if Trey Young didn't step on a ref's foot. Um, so Phoenix really is like the best team they've had to see in the last month and a half or however long the playoffs have been. Um, what do you think about just them being shocked by how good Phoenix is compared to the competition they've played so far? Um, I really would have thought they'd be ready for this. Uh, the players, because I, I will keep talking about how bad Mike Budenholzer is. He does not get players ready. Yeah. Um, he does. He says, this is our game plan. Uh, game one against Miami. This is how we're going to run our offense. We're going to keep running this offense until it fails. And then it, we're going to keep doing it, even if it fails. He like he makes no changes. Um, he waits until game five to make a change. Um so these guys were not ready for game one and two against Phoenix, but I think you're right that Phoenix is the best caliber team they played against. I kind of think Kyrie and KD together on that Nets team were better, but they didn't play together for the full series. Um, but looking ahead though, I, I was just, I just went and looked at their payroll in 2022, the 23 season. Um, Chris Middleton's getting $38 million. Drew Holiday, $33 million. Giannis, $43 million. Um, there's not a lot of room there to bring in role players. No. Like, they're, they're probably drafting rookies. Oh, no, they traded all their picks. For Drew Holiday. Right. So they're hoping that they can pick up people off the scrap heap, maybe trade for second-round picks and hope that they convey. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine this team – has a lot of success after next year. If next year isn't the year for them, I, I don't know when it will be. They have to move on from some pieces of this core. And you bringing up that point gives me an epiphany. Like, I had an epiphany a couple weeks ago, but I forgot to tell you about it, so I'll just bring it here on the pod. I have given David Griffin so much grief and shit about trading Drew Holiday from that team if their intentions were to make the playoffs. Because he's a, an above-average player. If you want to make the playoffs, keep him on your team. And you have Zion, Drew Holiday, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. And you can probably make it. Like, that's a pretty talented squad. Mm -hmm. um, so I gave him a ton of grief for just shipping him off to Milwaukee and getting picks back that won't help in the immediate future. Is that a good deal now? Because I thought it was a shit deal the whole time because I thought it gave Milwaukee championship aspirations and I thought it made the Pelicans quite honestly just worse worse I, I thought they lost the trade pretty handedly 
But now seeing the assets they have, even though the Bucks are going to be a top three team, it's going to be 28, 29, and 30, the pick they get from the Milwaukee Bucks. Is it still worth it, those four first-round picks for Drew Holiday? Like, is that a good deal now seeing how Drew's playing in the playoffs? I would still say no. Okay. Not because getting rid of Drew Holiday was bad or bringing in four first-round picks was bad, but I don't know of a more useless basketball player than Eric Bledsoe on the Pelicans. Facts. Um, if you, I know people aren't really watching Pelicans games. Uh, they're not really nationally televised. You either got to find a stream or, like, just – hope that one out of their 70 games this year was nationally televised <laughs> eric bledsoe if there's no national camera crew on him does not give a single solitary shit whether he wins or loses basketball games yeah. he's chucking every time he gets the ball he's taking shots he's not playing defense he's not passing the ball to the best players on his team he was losing games i think if they had just sat him they would have won more games if they never played eric bledsoe yeah. Um, so their team got significantly worse, and like the culture got a little worse bringing in Eric Bledsoe. Huge. Um, yeah. But there still is a chance that those four first round picks, some of them turn into helpful players. Yeah. Um, I do think it's dumb because it seems like there's a fear that they could lose Zion now um, because of the fact that they don't know how to win. And Drew Holiday certainly would have helped them there. But how much money are you willing to pay him? That's the thing. It seemed like David Griffin didn't want to pay him that money. Yeah, and now that you say that, you're right. The Pel the Bucks still won the trade because they got rid of Eric Bledsoe, even though Drew Holiday's playing like Eric Bledsoe. But I think Drew Holiday fits that Pelicans team way better than he fits this Bucks team because the expectations are tempered for your best player being a second-year player and you're just trying to creep into the playoffs. You're not expecting a championship right away. With the Bucks, that trade was made to get a championship in Milwaukee, and I think that's maybe where the fit with Milwaukee doesn't work for Drew Holiday. So That's definitely fair. My yeah. one thing is you probably don't want to pay the third best dude on your team $35 million. So I believe, I'm not sure, I believe that Drew Holiday had one year left to play with the Pelicans and then the extent they would have had to pay him an extension or he would have just been an unrestricted free agent. So it's yeah. good that they got assets back for him. Um, but yeah, maybe they could have done a sign and trade or something. I have no idea, but yeah, I mean, they could have tried to get somebody better than Eric Bledsoe. Um, right. We tried to, the Celtics tried to get him, and I think Kemba would have been a better piece on the Pelicans than Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. Um, the picks would have been about the same and it would have just made the Celtics a better team. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Just, I don't know why anyone wants Eric Bledsoe. I'm not sure what the thought process of David Griffin was to say, ah, oh, Eric Bledsoe is going to be a sick piece for us. We got to bring him in. Yeah. Um, and real quickly, I know we've touched on Drew Holiday a pretty decent amount, but like I said, we had that text conversation about, who is this guy in the playoffs? Like, is he what he was in Portland? And for people who don't have context of what he did in that Portland series in 2018, here are the stats. He scored 28 points per game with seven assists and four rebounds while also being the, best the second best defensive player on the court uh, alongside Anthony Davis while shooting 57% from the floor, 35 from three, and 71 from the free throw line. So he just carved them up the entire series and led, led them to a sweep over Portland. And this entire playoffs, he has just been, he's averaging 13 points. 
in the Phoenix series right now in the finals. So I'm, it's just, it's it is, wild. It's night and day. It's wild. Um, and even if you look at his, like, over this entire playoff stats, they are not impressive. 18, yeah. a little under 18 points per game from a dude paying this much money. It's just not acceptable. It's more um, the efficiency, though. Like, if he was scoring 18 points on 50, 40, 90, I could give less of a shit. But because well, yeah. he's... Because he's so bad from every area on the floor. 29% from three. It's so bad. So, yeah, it's just – it's really, really, really hard to watch. Yeah, it's good that the assists have ticked up um, because his assist numbers are solid. But, uh, yeah, it is is just disappointing. We – this – could be another case of us just shit talking the Bucks for eight minutes and then they go and they win three games in a row. Right. Yeah. You're so um, right. You don't know what to expect from this team because they can just all decide to hit shots. PJ Tucker could have a game where he scores 20 points um, just hitting corner threes. Yeah. I, I like, I expect them to at least win game three. Um, if you see a competitive version of Milwaukee in game three, I think expect this to be a bit of a series um, because you never know. This team can just kind of come out of nowhere and hit shots. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. You're definitely right. The this series, like, even though I think the Phoenix Suns are guaranteed to win the championship, like, it's not over. It, it's like you said, the Bucks could win game five. They could even win game four or three, whatever. They could br- they could really extend this, but I I think the Suns probably take this one home. Yeah, I think just for the Bucks' mental state, they need to take a couple games. Um, if they make it all the way here through like a hobbled East, and then they get swept by the Suns, um, they're gonna get trashed about as much as they did when they got whooped by Miami. Yeah. Um, people are not going to take the fact that they made it to the final seriously, and they're just gonna rag on them for getting just the breaks beat off them by the first really good team they face and it will be well deserved 100 percent. i i completely agree um they will get the same level of disrespect as miami did after that bubble run like it was we kind of a part of us knew it was somewhat of a fraud right like how weird is it that the year of covid pandemic hits the planet that the like five seed Miami heat upsets everyone and makes it to the finals. Like that just seemed kind of outlandish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very similar circumstances this year, like just weird, weird stuff throughout the entire season. Me too. Um, and finally, before we go, I just want to ask you, I've been thinking about it and I'm just not sure where I land. If Chris Paul gets a finals MVP and a chip, where yeah. does that put him all time in terms of point guards? I mean, before you go, because I think Chris Paul has been a top five point guard in the NBA every single year that he's been in the NBA. Yes, Um, he has. He has literally since his rookie year. Right. Um, So this is huge for his legacy. I'm just wondering all time where it puts him. So I'm going to do my list of like top five point guards right now. I think it's probably Magic Johnson first. I think that's kind of a no brainer. Isaiah Thomas second from the Pistons people underestimate what he did for the game and how dominant he was at six foot um and we're giving Chris Chris Paul all the praise in the world for getting to a championship and winning one he led a team back to back against the Bulls the Celtics the Lakers like that Isaiah Isaiah Thomas is incredible I could go on for days Mm -hmm. um Oscar Robertson 
the original triple double dude. Like I, I don't know a ton about his career, but I just know the way he's revered throughout the league is pretty insane. Um, Steph Curry, and then I'd go Chris Paul five. Uh, I think that's pretty reasonable. I might even put Steph above Oscar Robertson. Um, but I think those just kind of have to be your top five at this point. I, I think so too. I mean, I think right now Chris Paul is around the level of like a Steve Nash uh, where everybody knows that he's an incredible point guard, but just the lack of winning hurts his legacy, but just uh, an MVP and a final or a finals MVP and a chip puts him so much higher in the leaderboards. I do think he'll be top five all time. Um, Actually, I want to amend something really quickly. I think Steph's probably the second best, and then it goes Isaiah Thomas, then Oscar Robertson, and then Chris Paul. That's fair. I didn't watch enough Isaiah Thomas um, to really know. I like. I, I hear a lot of people who did watch him put him top three all time. Um, so I think I would leave him second and Steph Curry third. But I mean, they're they're pretty interchangeable. They're yeah. greatest to ever do it. Hall of Famers. Right. So, um, I mean, but for Chris Paul to like be in that list and like, could he eventually take over Oscar Robertson's spot as the fourth best of all time? Right. Like, I think that's completely plausible. Um, I, I just, what he's doing, like, I have the playoff stats in front of me, like the Lakers series, he only scored nine points a game, but he was dealing with an, a, a shoulder injury from game one and he was just hobbled. We move on to the next series, Denver. He averages 25 and 10. Then we go to the Clippers where he was, co he came back from COVID. He averaged 24 and nine. And right now in the finals, he's averaging 28 and nine. Like what? That is yeah. an insane playoff run. And the turnovers have not been that bad. I mean, he had six in game two, but that's yeah. an anomaly for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, but career wise, nine all defensive teams, 10 all NBA teams, 11 all-star appearances. I use the rookie of the year six steel uh steel leaders yep. four assist champs that's that's a hell of a resume man it's, to add a finals mvp onto that would be incredible for him and people forget he's a nine-time all defensive team member right back when he used to have real athleticism yeah yeah so i mean the career he's put together i mean me and you could probably do a whole pod just on chris paul's career um he's just Getting to see, like, I'm actually excited to see them win the championship now. I was a little bummed a couple weeks ago that me, like, me and you talked about it, that just all the injuries happened. But if anything can come out of it with Chris Paul with a championship in his hands, like, I think that's the best outcome of a year like this. Me too. I will be very, very happy to see him win the chip. So I'm pretty sure that wraps everything up. Uh, you know, we only had two games to talk about, but we're going to give you guys some more draft content. And I think a weekend from now, uh, we're going to try to get a season recap with some surprise guests for you guys. So, um, yeah, Ben, anything else to say before we uh, head on out of here? Uh, no, just look out for those episodes. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Peace. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If you want to interact with us at The Chase Down, make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Blogger at The Chase Down Pod to join the conversation. Peace, everybody.